In the last couple of years, we've added two uh, descriptors of employees in the workplace. Uh, you've got the quiet quitters, and then you have the mass resignation. And I think what it implies, there's a high degree of dissatisfaction in the workplace. So McKinsey and Company, who's been doing it for almost 100 years, has done research that takes a look at the factors that create an engaged and productive workforce and what doesn't create a productive and engaged workforce. Joyce is going to go through uh, this study with us, and I think you're going to get a lot of insights that you can look at your own organization and be able to measure how well you're doing in terms of having a productive and engaged workforce. So come on in, grab a snack, welcome. Good morning, Bob. Hey, Joyce. Gosh, good I evening. Feel... Good evening, our listeners who are all over the world. And if it's um, six a.m. in the morning, really good. Good morning and welcome. Um, so, I can't decide whether I'm cynical or supportive of an article. I thought we could play with. Okay, and it's from McKinsey um, research about the six types of employees that you know your employees aren't one blobby blob blob yeah and, and that different things support them or you have to support use the same principles but support them differently and they're the usual uh thing of give them high engaging tasks give them an opportunity to develop to develop um blah, 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 be empathic, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I, yeah, and so you hear my blah, blah, blah. So I don't know that I'm fully behind this or that I myself am a little burned out after 30 years of working on these same principles and now suddenly they're in, which is great. Yeah. So let, let's wow. jump, let's, slow learning. Well, let's jump in because, you okay. know, I, I, I like how you're a little uncertain about how you see it or whether you agree or disagree. Let's talk about it and see where we end up with our listeners. All right. Well, what are the numbers? Do you see it? I can't see it. So you're going to have okay. to lead the there, it, it They identify six distinct employee groups or archetypes across a spectrum of satisfaction, engagement, performance, and well-being. Boy, these are old stuff, but here they come. These workers range from highly dissatisfied and actively dis disengaged who compromise, who comprise more than 10% of an average organization and who we believe are destroying value. So it goes from that to a group at the other end of the spectrum that we call thriving stars. At about 4% of an average organization, these super engaged workers not only perform at high levels themselves, but appear to spread their positive engagement and commitment to others. So, and in between these two poles is a vast middle of workers who experience varying levels of engagement and satisfaction. So I, I'm going to start by uh, sharing something that I really believe uh, is to be true based on my experience. The number six thriving uh, stars, yeah, uh, 
there was a phenomenon. Whenever we'd have a, a big challenge within the organization, we as a leadership team would get together and say, we need to have some of our best people work on this. And Joyce, it, it would come up every two months, three months. It was always the same list of people. Yep. You know, so we are always going to this well of of thriving stars, people that that literally were self-motivated, create tons of value, could work across the organization. Um, and I, I the article says four percent of the workforce. I, I believe that because it's it's pretty darn small. So there's at least one that I believe to be true. I, I yes, I do too. And and yet for those that are not engaged, one of the number one things they say is give them work that matters. Which is why I liked for special projects to have a posting. Yeah. Post the opportunity. That way you can get people that are wanting to grow and contribute more. You'll you'll they'll come out of the system. So anyhow, that's my two cents on that. Well, the flip side uh, that reinforces what you just said, I guarantee you, we came up with the same list of people, but I, I'm i almost sure that it was our short sight, our short line of sight of people in the organization that could contribute uh, at least as well, if not better. And, uh, the, you know, the quitters, uh, people that are heading for the door, uh, they're still on your payroll. You're paying them every week. So... Uh, you know, you can either dumb down by not engaging them or, you know, give them that challenge that you described. Um, yes. And I was thinking about how the timing of, of projects could bump into one another. So these very sought after top 4% get burned out mm. and and disenchanted. But Oh, oh um, for sure. Here, and this is where I say, whoa, when will we ever learn? But we are learning. But these are drivers of disengagement and their relative contribution to disengagement cost, which is, um, it's an estimated $56 million can annually help companies. Wow. Yeah, that that's what they're losing. But anyhow, this is McKinsey. Inadequate total compensation is 12% of that disengagement. Yeah. Lack of meaningful work comes next. Post those interesting jobs and opportunities, people. Mm. Uh, let's come back to that one, too. Like, what me, what does meaningful work mean? But anyhow, lack of workplace flexibility is um, 11% of the factors, lack of career development and advancement, unreliable and unsupportive work people at work, and unsafe work environment. Those are the top six things that lead to disengagement. You know, and, and yeah, there, there, there are six, but as you were reading down the list, any one of those by themselves uh, can make you uh, less engaged and less committed. So, um, you know, it, it's it's pretty difficult because you have to be, you know, clicking on every cylinder in terms of these six. Uh, but boy, there's, I, I believe in McKinsey's work. So I, I, I am going to take this to be valid. 
Yeah, I do too. Um, oh. And then the bottom six. So 8% is a non-inclusive and unwelcoming community. Yeah. Not the highest. Next 7% is lack of support for employee health and well-being. Oh, seven is uncaring and uninspiring leaders. Oh, I'm thinking of a couple right now. <sighs> Unsustainable work expectations. Lack of geographic ties and travel demands. Hmm. <laughs> what do you think that means? Um, I would say uh, you you don't have the resources uh, out in the field, and so it de it demands that that person travel to get the work done. I, I may okay. be wrong on that, but I, I I when I hear that, that's what I assume that it is. I think you're right. And that's the lack of it. Yeah. And then <laughs> supporting what you just said is inadequate resource accessibility. So which I'm one, which ones of these did you well not I was gonna say have you experienced, but in our work, how good were uh and we did good work and worked for good companies and ha who certainly needed and still do improvement in all vectors. But how well do you think we did with inadequate total compensation? Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say adequate, no. adequate compensation. Yeah, I, I believe that we were competitive in the market. Uh, and when I say that, I mean, I, I don't think we paid in the top uh, you know, 10% or the top uh, quartile, but we probably paid slightly north of of uh, the average. And that was uh, kind of a set process, right? That that's yeah. where you wanted to be always. But but where I think we tipped the scales was when you look at the benefits, the pay benefits like stock purchase and, uh, you know, our success share, our bonus program, uh, I, I think, you know, I think in total, we paid pretty darn well. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember coming from the public sector into Hannaford, I'll name the company, and it was bonus day. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. That building rocked <laughs> with people saying, I'm going to get my boat. <laughs> uh, and I was stunned by it because yeah. you don't yeah so i mean uh, it, it, it was a huge point of pride and mm -hmm. we paid on a sliding scale meaning that if we were more profitable than what we anticipated we even got more so yeah that was a huge point of pride not to mention uh you know pretty good in the uh in the pocketbook so and and excellent with engagement yeah. So, yeah, I, I think I would tick that one off. Um, I think lack of meaningful work was a challenge for us. Not I, at the that's what I was wondering, too. Yeah. Well, you know, it's um, I, I think if you look at some of the entry level positions uh, and I think we got better over time there. So we, we just kind of said, hey, this is the job. You know, you're you're sweeping the warehouse floor or you're cleaning toilets uh, in a store. Um and 
you know, so I, I think we did a pretty good job creating a connection with our employees where they saw their work as contributing, regardless of what it was. But that was, I think that was a challenge for us. I'm thinking how in Sweet Bay, which was a company uh, in the group for a while, they did interviewing on love of food. You know, yes. do you love the grocery store environment? Do you love food? And I think that was helpful. But Oh, for sure. Not, but I'm laughing because then I think of in the recent five years, one CEO said to me, I no longer care about work, you know, standards. I just want the bodies in the building. <laughs> yeah. So. I, I, so if I think about some of the best CEOs that I've worked with, they're always very quick to uh, recognize the contribution of every level of the mm -hmm. organization. And so that if I'm if I'm hearing a message from this person and I'm working in a store in an hourly position, I'm like, she's talking to me or he's talking to me. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I think that you don't accept those jobs that feel routine uh, or entry level. You can find meaning in, in those jobs. And I think Absolutely, you're or a right fit because yes. you know, down here, the next thing was lack of workplace flexibility. Um, the part-time of um, uh, cadre was mat that mattered. It, it made that attractive. Was the part-time? Oh yeah, you, you work around my life, so uh, um, you know. But I go back to the evolution. Uh, yeah. When when I started in uh, the grocery business, if somebody wanted to be full-time, we insisted on open availability. Um. And I, I don't think that's necessarily true today. Uh, and I understand some of the rationale for it, but that doesn't feel very flexible. But uh, uh, no, and I, I always ask uh, any time I bump into a worker at any supermarket is um, how, how does the scheduling work here? Yeah. Does it work for you? And how? And uh, I get varying reports depending on where I'm shopping. But yeah, so so in the grocery business, and we'll go through the remaining ones, uh, as as we talk, I'm thinking of Trader Joe's as being uh, really good at, at hitting all these factors that we've discussed so far. They pay over the market. Uh, you come in, you're part of the fun, you're part of the play. Um, and they're, if nothing else, their workplace flexibility is pretty uh, great. And you can feel that energy in a store. Oh, yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Or the yeah, lack of it. You feel that as well. And they walk faster, which is yeah. an odd measure, but it, it, not in the food industry. It isn't. I, once again, I came from public sector. And when I came into the retail food environment, people moved fast. Like an, I was like an anthropologist my first month. And it's one of the first things I noticed that there was people worked fast, walked fast, wanted to get out of meetings if they were slow, actually wanted to get back to work. But anyhow, another one is lack of career development and advancement. Please, people, mm. post, post, post. You know, and I, I think posting is important, but there are people that are good at what they do 
And so, you know, you can develop in place uh, uh, in your existing role. So I, I think this is all inclusive that whether you're uh, looking at people that want to apply and post up, you've got to look at people that are very comfortable and love what they're doing and saying, what can you do uh, to help their uh, development? Yes, and I, I remember being in a meeting um, at Foodline with a whole—I don't know how many, maybe a, maybe a ton of yeah. store managers. And I stopped the the work at one point and said, "I hear complaints, but I hear hear, hear such pride in your complaining. Mm-hmm. Tell me, tell me what you love about being good at your work." And da da da. I I couldn't shut it down. Yeah. Wow. They liked the challenge and that kind of work. So when it's a fit, it's a fit. Um, oh, I had something and it's gone. Unreliable and unsupportive people at work. Boy, that, I'm surprised uh, it's not closer to the top. Uh, yeah, me too. Uh, that that, uh, uh, But it, it made that top six list. But uh, yeah, it's the idea. It makes coming into this workplace every day miserable. That um, underline, underline, underline. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Unsafe workplace environment was nine yeah. of that fifty-six million. That's interesting. I. Hmm. So if if I were to look at this uh, list, so the top six and then uh, the ones uh, that remain. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna argue that the top six is like the price of admission to have an engaged workforce. Like, you know, if you're lacking any one of these, uh, there's a price to be paid. Uh, but if, uh, and, and, and if I look at the bottom list, maybe with like one exception, I see that being like just value added. Uh, you know, so if you give uh, uh, people the resources they need, if you have a more inclusive and welcoming environment, uh, you know, to me, those are uh, the ones that really can make you uh, distinctive in terms of having a great workforce. Yeah, I agree. And Ooh. and I can't figure out what has me. I think it's the, um, this feels so obvious to me that I, uh, we've got to be better you and I and every leader at spelling out exactly how to do that. And the first thing I would do would be grab various groups of people with various mix up and ask about this. Yeah. Yes. I can't stay at the theoretical level. I need to know what, what would make the workplace flexible. We think it's ours and location. So, again, you come up with a wonderful diagnostic and a methodology that's very simple and straightforward. You have these, you put them in front of a, a, a nice cross-section and say, hey, how are we doing? What could we do better? That's uh, that. That's, the where, that's where I would start always. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I, I, need, I need grit. I can't work without grit. Yeah, you know. And for those that are new to us, uh, grit is... Uh, a real technical OD term. It's the ability to get in and down and deep. Uh, and dirty. And, and dirty, yeah, yeah, down and dirty. Yeah. 
So, uh, <laughs> I, I, you have a closing it, statement. Well, it's it's I, I I don't know if it's a closing statement, but you have said on previous uh, podcasts that when you're faced with either a group that isn't meeting your expectations or an individual, look first at what you are doing or not doing. So that whole I that as I was listening to us today, I thought of that really I think time honored. Um, you know, standard of saying when things aren't going well, what am I doing that might be contributing to this? Um, and now it's essential. What I love about it, because yes, I've been talk preaching this for thirty years. Um, it's happening. It has to happen. I. It's been flipped. You now see top leaders and talent searchers groveling. Yeah. They wouldn't like that word, but the turmoil that we've been through has highlighted what needed to be done long ago. Yeah, there's the golden lining. So here, here's I'm going to leave uh, listeners with a question that uh, perhaps we talk about at a later time. You know, so as I look at McKinsey's work, I think of a natural bell-shaped curve that basically says in any organization, you're going to have the 4% that are out the door and the 4% that are, you know, the stars. And it's a normal bell-shaped curve. And regardless of what you do, that that curve uh, doesn't go right or left, uh, but it's pretty static. You always have high performers. And, and I don't agree with that, but it's, I, I think one of the com uh, arguments against putting this kind of work and making it uh, a serious business is we're always going to have people at the top and people at the bottom. That's just the way life goes. Are you agreeing with that? No, I don't agree with it, but I, I could see someone saying, you know, you know, well, let's do it because it's right for the business. But if I think I'm going to move this bell shaped curve to the positive, um, you know, I yeah. don't I don't agree with it, but it's a question that I have whether others believe that or not. Yeah. And 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 at another point, I'll share how I taught in an inner city school and I changed how I taught. To, <laughs> I, I did. I changed how I taught to get everybody having an A. Wow. Wow. Bye. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's not at that. all. <laughs> okay. Hey, take okay. care, everyone. Till the next time. Bye. You know, today's episode uh, really represents a departure, and we've done this the last uh, six or seven episodes where we take something that's current, and it's either a new study or research or a thought-provoking article, and we bring it into this space. And uh, hopefully you've been enjoying that, uh, and we'd love to hear from you. So if you have a thought, an idea, you want to be on the show, please reach out to us at bobandjoyce.com. You can email us at that address, bobandjoyce.com. So until the next time, be well and be safe.